Amen. Shalom to Christians and friends who are following us online. And for those of you on site, welcome home. I'm so glad to see many of you uh, to come back on site again as we head towards the endemic stage for our nation's fight against COVID. I'm thankful, thankful that we are slowly but surely reopening in Singapore. Can somebody say amen? I'm happy to inform all of you that, especially all parents, that our pre-teens ministry emerged uh, from P5 to SEC2 had restarted meeting on-site since last week. So parents, if your preteen kids from P5 to SEC2 have not joined us, we encourage you to bring them on-site because when they are on-site, there will be no online broadcast or streaming of, uh, for their small groups. Okay, So everything will be on-site. And for our children ministry, Grace Kids, as well, Pastor Larry has mentioned, is restarting on-site as well from September onwards. That means from next week onwards. And I want to assure all parents that the safety of our kids is of utmost importance. It's of utmost. To the extent that all our volunteers serving on, on our on-site ministries are all vaccinated. On top of that, those serving in ministries with children under 12 must undergo a personal ART test, or we call it pre-event testing, to ensure that they are free from the virus before returning to serve. All right, we are going beyond what is required of us to ensure that the safety of our children, like just like myself, before I come on, uh, on, on to, uh, this morning to preach, I actually went for a swab test yesterday. Uh, like many of our singers as well on stage, they also go for swab test yesterday, just to make sure we're all clean before coming back into the house of the Lord. So I also want to thank all our vaccinated volunteers who are serving among us on site. Thank you. Thank you for going through the pre-event testing just to come back to serve. I want to thank all of you for that, okay? And on behalf of Grace Assembly, thank you for going through the extra mile to serve God and His people to serve this house. Thank you so much. Now, after three weeks break from our Exodus series, we restart this weekend with Exodus chapter 4 entitled Care and Support Package. Now, if you recall, in Exodus chapter 3, Yahweh called Moses to face Pharaoh and promise him that his presence will go with Moses. And today, we will continue with Exodus chapter 4, where Yahweh did not just promise his presence with Moses, but also promised Moses his provision to make up for Moses' lack. Now, the big idea for today is this. When God calls, he provides what we need and lack. Let me say it one more time. When God calls us, when God assigns us with His special assignment for our life, He provides what we need and lack. In Exodus chapter 4, we will examine God's sixth divine provision for Moses. And let's begin by looking at God's first divine provision from verses 1 to 3 of Exodus chapter 4. Reading from verse 1, it says this, Then Moses answered, this Moses answered to God, But behold, they will not believe me. Those people in, in, in Egypt, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord, Yahweh, did not appear to you. So Moses' first excuse not to be the appointed leader was that those in Egypt 
would not believe that Yahweh has sent him. Moses claimed that having divine knowledge of the Lord's name, of Yahweh's name, was insufficient to convince the people that he had a divine commission from Yahweh himself. So Moses' first excuse was that the people in Egypt would not take Moses seriously. And with that excuse, let's look at the Lord's response to Moses in verse 2. And the verse 2 says this, The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and he became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Now, obviously, from this text, Moses was shocked. Shocked that the staff in his hand became a serpent. So the first divine provision was God's supernatural act of turning a wooden staff into a living snake. So the question is this, why? Why change a wooden staff into a snake and not other animals? Why come Moses, when he threw the, 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 the stick on the ground, it became a lion or a merlion? Why a snake? Well, the reason was that in ancient Egyptian worldview, did, uh, these snakes were guardians of deities. Snakes were guardians and they would always go before the deity. So only a deity or the agent of the deity could summon and control snakes. So when Moses changed his staff into a snake by God's power, it showed that Moses was a true agent of his God, of his deity. Look at verse 4 now. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. Now that, in verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now in verses 4 to 5, if you look at it right now, Yahweh then commanded Moses to catch the snake's tail with his hand. Now you and I know very well that to catch the tail of a snake with one's bare hand is, is a very, very dangerous act because the snake can become vicious to turn around and bite the person who does that. However, in Moses' case, he obeyed Yahweh's command to catch the snake's tail and immediately when he touched the tail, it became his staff again. Now, this act of God was to validate Moses' position as Yahweh's agent before the Israelites and Pharaoh in Egypt. Now, I also want to make an application point here for Moses' faith to catch the, snail, the, 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 the snake's uh, tail. We know that Moses was initially shocked, right? He was shocked to see his star transform into a snake. And when Yahweh commanded him again to pick up the snake's tail, Moses obeyed. And when he obeyed, he experienced another miracle of seeing this snake right now that was on the floor transforming back to become his staff. Moses had the courage to do something unthinkable 
because of Yahweh's direct word and command to him. Because Yahweh spoke to him, he obeyed and he saw a miracle. If Moses were to do the same act on another venomous snake without Yahweh's command, then you must understand that Moses would be trying his luck, really trying it, pushing it too hard. And, and as believers today, the application point for us is that we must never be presumptuous to do things that God did not command us. May we only put our faith in Christ and never put our faith in faith. Let me repeat it one more time. May we put our faith in Christ and never put our faith in faith. Now, what do, I, what do I mean by putting faith in faith? And let me give you an example right now. Assuming right now I'm a car lover, all right? I love cars a lot and I have many, many cars. I'm a car lover, right? Let's say assuming, assuming, which is, you guys know it's not true, right? Let's say assuming right now I want to have a BMW sports car series for myself. Let's say, all right? And especially the latest one. I don't know what's the latest one, but assuming there's the latest one. And I, and I begin to look for the Bible verses right now. And I use the Bible verses to declare that God will give me this sports car because I have faith in Him. I begin to find verses, I declare, declare, declare that, oh, I will claim this, this sports car because God is good to me. I claim this sports car because God will bless me. I claim this sports car because I'm a son of God. But in reality, right? In reality, God has never spoken to me that He will give me any sports car. Never. God has never spoken to me. It, and instead, the Bible teaches me to live in contentment and not to be in greed. Even a Japanese car is so good. Even a Malaysian-made car is so good. Because the Bible teaches me to be content, right? But out of my worldly desire, because I noticed that, oh, wow. Simon has a new car. I also want to have a car now. So, out of my worldly desire, I put my faith in faith where I spiritualize my greed and my pride by using scriptural verses to make it sound like I can control and manipulate God to get what I want. This is what I mean by faith in faith. It is not faith in God because God has never spoken to me. But my faith in my presumptuousness, in my presumptuous act of faith. It is not of God, but of the flesh, which is my human desire. And church, we must be careful. Careful and never be presumptuous in our relationship with God. Very similar to what Christ didn't do when the devil wanted Jesus to jump off from the highest point of the temple in Matthew chapter 4. Our Lord Jesus did not, did not do that because He knew that it was presumptuous. And our Lord Jesus told the devil, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And church, may we only act when God has spoken directly to us and not to take God's word out of context for what we want for our lives. When God has spoken, He will do. And all we need to do is to follow His leading. Can somebody say amen? Of course, it doesn't mean that you cannot buy new cars. You can, you can. You can buy new cars, you can change new cars if you want to. I'm saying 
is something that we must be very careful that we must not be presumptuous in our daily living faith. And that's what Moses did. He followed and obeyed God's word. And so miracles taking place one after another. Why? Because he just followed God's leading. He followed what God asked him to do. So tell a neighbor right now next to you, for those of you on site, tell a neighbor, faith in God. For those of you online, type in your chat right now, faith in God. Remember church, faith in God and not faith in faith. Okay, very important. Now coming back to God's provision for Moses, the first divine provision was supernaturally turning the staff into a snake. Let's look at the second divine provision right now in verse 6. In verse 6, it says this, Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And, and he put his hands inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. That means something happened to his hand. And then God said to him, Put your hand back in, in, inside your cloak again. And so he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. In verse 8, if they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. So the second divine provision was Yahweh's act of inflicting Moses with an infectious skin disease and then restoring his flesh back to normal again. Now you must understand that in ancient times, it was dreadful for anyone to be inflicted with a skin disease. And even if, let's say, for example, a priest is infected with a skin disease, that priest cannot enter to offer sacrifices to his gods. So you see, whenever that happened, right, one had to be quarantined and would not be, a, would not be allowed to be in the community and consider a cursed person until the person had recovered. So infectious skin disease was a fearful condition by ancient people very much like the current fear against the COVID-19 virus. And through inflicting and restoring Moses' skin from such a dreadful disease, Yahweh showed forth His power over diseases and sicknesses. Anyone who witnessed such an act would know that Moses was indeed Yahweh's agent. So that's the second divine provision. Let's look at the third divine provision right now in verse 9. In verse 9, it says this, If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Now, the third divine provision was to turn the water from the Nile into blood when poured onto the ground. Now, this divine act could only take place when Moses was in Egypt. But when this was given at time, Moses was still not in Egypt, he was outside. And God told him, do that. And we also know, of course, that Yahweh did this divine act on a massive scale in the first of the 10 plagues of Egypt. And what was the significance of changing the Nile water into blood. So what's the significance? Why did God ask him to do that? Well, you must understand that the Egyptians considered the Nile as the main source of life for water and seafood. The Nile supported all forms of 
agricultural activities as well. That's where irrigation would take place for them. So the Nile was Egypt's primary life source. And to change water from the Nile to blood was an act against the gods of Egypt. And we'll talk more about that in, 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 in a later series, even much more. But suffice to say that it was Yahweh's act of reversing what the Egyptians has considered as blessings from their gods. Because their gods have blessed them with the river now, making it to be sure that everything was okay. But when, when Yahweh changed the water into blood, it was a, a sign, a polemic against their gods. So Moses' supernatural ability to turn now water into blood was a third sign that he was indeed Yahweh's agent to the people. And through Yahweh's three divine provision for Moses, Yahweh was manifesting his power over the animal kingdom, over human life, the, 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 the snake, the leprous egg, the leprous, the leprous skin, and, and that of water. It shows that Yahweh's power over the animal kingdom, the human life, and nature. So these three divine signs were given in response to Moses' early excuse in verse 1 that, that the people in Egypt would not accept his leadership. But yet, Moses was still not in the right frame of mind to be Yahweh's chosen instrument. He went on from there, after God showed him three divine signs, three divine provisions, he went on to create his second excuse. Look at his second excuse right now in verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of the tongue. So Moses unleashed his last excuse. He was unable to speak well and was born with this deficiency. And Moses was using his handicap on the lack of eloquence to get himself off the hook. In essence, Moses was saying that he was not suitable to be Yahweh's messenger and mouthpiece to the people because he felt that, God, I can't speak. I cannot go to Pharaoh and say, I speak to you on behalf of Yahweh. That was his excuse. He said, he can't do that. But look at verse 11 right now. In verse 11, it's, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. Now I want to dive deeper right now in verse 12. When Yahweh said that I will be with your mouth, now this phrase in the Hebrew text can also be translated as I am with your mouth. I am with your mouth. Now, this is very powerful here. Now, remember in Exodus chapter 3, Yahweh assured Moses that he was the great I am in Moses' life, remember? The Lord told Moses, I am who I am when he asked for his name. And basically, Yahweh was assuring Moses, I would be what you need in your life. And now, 
Yahweh assured Moses yet again that he would be what Moses needed most in his life, and that was eloquence. The phrase, I am with your mouth, in verse 12, was Yahweh becoming what Moses lacked in his speech, in his eloquence. And because Yahweh had caught Moses, he would be his great I am in helping Moses to speak. Again, reinforcing the concept of the great I am we have seen in Exodus chapter 3. So from verses 10 to 12, we can see Yahweh addressing Moses' second excuse with his fourth divine provision. Now, as I examine this entire episode, right, I must say, I must say that Moses was really testing Yahweh's patience with all of his excuses. And we can see very clearly Moses' unwillingness to be Yahweh's appointed leader. And yet, in this whole process, I can also see Yahweh's desire to have human partnership in His plan on earth. I hope you noticed that. God was very patient with Moses because God wanted human participation in His plan. Why should Yahweh, the Almighty Creator God, subject Himself to all the, the invalid excuses of Moses? Didn't God know everything about Moses? Didn't God know about Moses' strength and weaknesses? Why then did God put Himself through this conversation with Moses when He had promised His presence and power to be with Moses? Well, yes, Yahweh could have sent one of His, one of his uh, powerful divine beings to appear in Egypt which could have easily convinced the Israelites and Pharaoh of Yahweh's power. I'm sure that the appearance of, of a glorious divine being would expedite this entire process of delivering Israel out of Egypt. But if you notice, church, Yahweh did not choose the easier way. Instead, He chose the more complicated process of using human beings to fulfill His plans on earth. If you have noticed, throughout the Bible, God always used human vessels to accomplish His agenda in the world. Why does God limit Himself to human beings to fulfill His plans? Why did God limit Himself to finite human beings? Well, church, you must understand that this goes back to our teaching on Yahweh's original intent and desire for His human family. And let me recap right now our Supernatural Realm series earlier in the year when we first started off with that in January, February, especially in, our, in, our, in the Supernatural Realm series, sermon number two and three. We learned that in that two sermon, we learned that Yahweh created both the divine and the human families to rule and reign with Him. We also learned that human beings were created in Yahweh's image, right? To represent Him and to have dominion on earth. We learned that. And to stay consistent with God's intent on earth, Yahweh chose to limit Himself and to work through human images like a Moses. 
That's the reason why. In delivering the Israelites out of Egypt's bondage, Yahweh chose to work through this vessel called Moses, a human image. And church, you must understand, similarly today, God works through you and me for His purpose and plan on earth. That has not changed. I've often noticed that believers want to see divine interventions where God will show up personally in our crisis and difficult situations. Yes, God does show up whenever He wants to. But more often than not, God will use human images to fulfill His will and plan among us. More than not, God will send somebody into the situation to be the solution. And that is why believers of Jesus Christ must hear from the Holy Spirit and be that vessel, be the vessel that God can use to bring His presence and power into every situation of life. Through Moses, through Moses, Pharaoh saw Yahweh's power and presence. And I want you to know through you, through your life, your friends and your colleagues will see Christ's power and presence as well. There are many modern Pharaohs around us today who oppress the powerless, the underdogs and those without a voice for themselves. And God will use some of you here to be His voice and to and a carrier of His presence in situations that cried out for God's intervention and deliverance. The Israelites in Egypt witnessed Yahweh's power and presence through Moses. And I believe when different ones of us step up to be God's agent, to be God's representative in the places where God has placed you, we will be God's conduit of power and His presence will be manifested through you. And God is still looking for human vessels. Human vessels willing to step out and be His hands, His feet to the world and to the church as well. You know, as a local church, Grace Assembly needs God's people to step up to serve as well. As we move towards the endemic stage of our nation's fight against COVID-19, we need more Gracians to be involved in our on-site and online ministries. You see, in the past, we only provide on-site ministries within our church premises. But moving forward into the new normal, we will resume our on-site ministries while charting new initiatives through online technologies. And furthermore, in this pandemic, we have noticed that many gracious have yet to return to serve. And we are now in a situation where we do not have enough men and women power in our ministries. Even if all were to return and serve, we still need new manpower for our online digital strategies. We also need manpower in our creative arts ministry, in our media department, and especially in our children ministries and many other ministries in Grace Assembly. In total, we have more than 90 over ministry opportunities for Gracians to fill right now. 
that require different talents and gifting among us and for you to volunteer in these ministries. Now, some of you are thinking, but pastor, we're so many people in the church. Pastor, look around, so many people, you know. We should have enough manpower to serve, right? Well, sorry to disappoint you. We need more gracious to step up. We need more gracious to step up to be our modern Moses to lead and serve God's people. If you know the Lord has spoken to you to serve God's house and His people, please scan the QR code on the screen right now to sign up as volunteers in Grace Assembly. As I mentioned earlier, we have 90 over ministry opportunities for you to volunteer and to serve God in. So scan the code and you will see for yourself the number of different ministry opportunities in the church, 90 over of them. So scan the code and if the Lord speaks to you, you can avail yourself, please scan the code and be involved. Be involved in the different ministries within the church. And you can be God's vessel for this local church. Can somebody say amen? And that's for our church. Now, some of you can also be God's chosen vessel in the marketplace, in places where you are working right now, where you, where you are spending most of your time in. God has strategically placed some of you where you are right now in your career, in your company. And God has used decades to prepare you for something that He has specially chosen you for in your company right now. Please, please respond in obedience when God calls you to be that human imager, to be His human vessel, to partner Him for His purpose. Some of us may have like, like Moses, we have all the excuses. You say, God, I can't do this lah, because I'm already overwhelmed with my projects and deadlines. God, I just can't. But no, please know that when God has cho chosen you for the assignment, God has already done all the background checks on you. I want you to know God has done all the background checks already. God has done all the reference checks as well. So don't you give God an excuse. When God has called you, He knows all about you. God knows your strength, your, your weaknesses, and has deemed that you are the right person for that assignment. And for some of you, God has prepared you for decades before calling you into this divine assignment. And if you are the human vessel for that hour, then step up to it because God's presence and power will go with you. So if you want to see God's power and presence in your life, then step up. Step up to what God has called you to do and you will see His power, His presence manifesting in your life. If ever you want to see God's power, then step up to what God has called you to do. In the process, church, be careful not to insult or to lie to God with our excuses because God knows everything about us. Can somebody say amen? So coming back to Exodus chapter 4 now, when Moses realized that God had everything covered for him, he then revealed his true motive. And this is seen in verse 13. He's, he's, it is written this way. But he said, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, please, please, la, please send someone else, la. Can I not? I run out of excuses. Say, please, I don't want to go. La. You just send somebody else. So if you look carefully, right, Moses didn't want to go to Egypt, period. He didn't want to go at all. All the earlier given reasons were just excuses. He said, God, I cannot out-talk you, God. 
Just don't send me. Send somebody else. Look at verse 14 now. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled now against Moses and 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 he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levi? Now, you remember God, when God said this, God was very upset really. I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and teach you both what to do. Initially, God only needs to put his words in Moses' mouth, right? Now, must put in two persons' mouth now. Verse 16. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. In verse 14, if you notice, God was angry against Moses. Now, how many of you know that God can be angry? Very clearly, right? God was upset already in this verse here. God can be angry with our sins and disobedience. And out of Yahweh's anger against Moses, he made the fifth provision, the fifth divine provision for Moses. And the fifth provision was for Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. And from this episode here, we can see that Aaron was a concession in Yahweh's plan. Yahweh had always wanted Moses to be the only person to represent him as his his prophet. But Moses' stubbornness led to Yahweh's plan B, where Aaron became Moses' mouthpiece. But you may be thinking, but pastor, what's the big deal? What's the big deal having Aaron to be the mouthpiece for Moses? Well, if you were to track the story further to Exodus 32, you will see that Aaron made a golden calf, an idol for the Israelites to worship. And the big deal here is that Yahweh nearly destroyed the entire nation of Israelites because of Aaron's act. Israel would have been destroyed if Moses did not go on his knees to plead for Yahweh's mercy. From the golden calf idol episode, more than 3,000 Israelites died and perished. And if we were to track the sequence of events, we would see that Moses' stubborn refusal led to Aaron's appointment. And Aaron's weak leadership led to the worship of the golden calf, which caused Israel's near, very near destruction, if you read Exodus 32. God wanted to wipe out the entire nation. It was very close and until Moses pleaded with the Lord for his mercy. And all of this could have been avoided if Moses, if Moses were obedient to Yahweh's call right in the beginning. Indirectly, Moses played a part in the infamous account of the golden calf story in Exodus 32. Church, what is the Lord saying to you regarding obedience and disobedience in your life right now? Because every act of disobedience has its consequences. And may we, God's people, always be found to be obedient to God's call and assignment in our lives. Can somebody say amen? So can you tell a neighbor right now on your left, on your right, tell a neighbor right now, for those of you who have somebody sitting next to you, tell a neighbor, let's be obedient to God's call and assignment. Shall we do that?
Just tell neighbor, right? Let's be obedient to God's call and assignment. For those of you online, please type in the chat right now. Type in the, the phrase, obedience to God. Right? Type in the chat, obedience to God. And let me now move on to the sixth divine provision that God had given to Moses. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 19, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are now dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey, and he went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Now the last divine provision in Exodus 4 was the protection from all those who wanted to kill Moses. All these could be those who, who knew about Moses' rash act of killing an Egyptian in Exodus 2. And Yahweh paved the way for Moses even before he entered or even before he reached Egypt by removing all historical threats. Yahweh ensured Moses' success even before he had met Pharaoh. Therefore, what can we conclude from this entire episode here? Well, we can conclude that Yahweh wants to partner with his human family to establish his purpose and plan on earth. It is always God's desire to partner his human family for his purpose and plan on earth. And in the partnership with his human family, God will provide all we need and lack to succeed in our divine assignment. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today, my friend? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about some assignment that God has called you for? Because when God calls you, He will always provide you with what you need and lack. Can somebody say amen? With that, let us close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word that has come so clearly for us this morning. Your, you desire obedience more than sacrifice. Because obedience of the heart is, is so much more precious to you. And out of the obedient heart comes alignment of our actions and thoughts to your will and purpose on us. And thank you for showing us that you desire our obedience more than anything else. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe that the Holy Spirit has spoken to some of you here in a very direct and personal way this morning. Some of you know that God has spoken to you and God has called you to, a, to an assignment that only you know between you and God. And like Moses, you have given many excuses because you do not want to be part of that assignment. Maybe because of something happened in the past. Maybe something that you're struggling with. You say, God, I don't want, I don't want to be involved in this assignment. But God is, has spoken to you about the assignment. And today, you know that all your excuses are not valid before God. Very much like what Moses tried to do. But it didn't work with God because God, God knows you. And God desires your obedience more than your sacrifices. And this morning you said, God, I want to be that willing vessel, surrender to God for your purpose, oh God, for your plan. God, that's what I desire to do. God, I understand that from, from the Moses story, I don't want to see what happened to Moses happen to me. God, I just want to be a surrendered vessel for your purpose and plan. And if that's you, 
I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now, wherever you are. Just lift your hands to the Lord on site and online. Just lift your hands to Him. Thank you. Just lift your hands to Him. Thank you. Lift your hands to Him if you know God has spoken to you. Thank you. That's why lift your hands and say, God, I respond this morning to what you have spoken. And God, I will stop behaving like Moses. I will just respond to what you have spoken. Because Lord, you want obedience more than my sacrifices. And today I align my heart to you. If as you lift your hands, those of you online as well, lift your hands to Him where you are. Lift your hands to Him on site as well. That's why lift your hands to Him. Thank you. Hallelujah. And with a surrender heart, you're saying, God, as I submit to your purpose and plan today, may your provision, may your presence always, always be sufficient for me in all my lack. God, may your presence and provision go with me. If that's you, lift your hands as well to the Lord. Say, God, as I surrender, let your presence and provision be sufficient for me. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Many hands. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, you see these hands raised before you. And I've asked that, Lord, you will touch your people. In different situations, circumstances, I bless your people to be obedient to your voice, to your assignment. And I ask in the name of Jesus, enable your people with your presence and provision as they obey you. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Amen.